0: good morning I want to wish a happy Mother's day to all the great grandmas grandmas mothers second moms spiritual moms soon-to-be moms moms in waiting <laughs> happy Mother's day to all of you and uh, for all the kids who've come back to, to visit mom uh, welcome home we always have a place here and we hope that you have a great time get refreshed and also uh, get home safely uh, I don't know if you have this experience but I've had it more and more increasingly over time but Uh, Whenever I'm with the Lord and I'm praying and I I start to think about the people that God has given to me in my life, given to me as gifts, you, all of you, uh, I am often struck by the experience of how, when I think of you, just how I realize and appreciate how, um, how you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And... It's really moving just to think about your hearts, your souls, especially those who have really opened up their lives to me. I get a clearer view and just it's it's amazing to me. And and this experience of just kind of being in this awe of you as you reflect God's image and likeness has been something that has increased. And I've noticed that the more I experience Jesus loving me, the more I realize that I'm lovable and in all the different ways that he reveals his love in particular areas of my life, that has built up a desire within me to Help others to experience how lovable they are. But not only that, it's, it's given me this, this keen awareness and ability to see the parts of their lives and to see what is beautiful about them. And, and so uh, I've, I've learned from this experience of just uh, as it's increased that it's a step by step sequence. Jesus loves me, I begin to love myself as He loves me, and this enables me to love other people. And it makes complete sense in the context of today's Mother's Day. When mean, you think about your moms. Maybe it's not necessarily a natural mother. Maybe it's a spiritual mother or a second mom to you. That as they loved you growing up, this love gave you a certain confidence to realize, I'm lovable. So that when you got into the world and you went on all your adventures and you faced failures, in the end of the day, it puts things in perspective. Who cares? I go back home and I think about the love that I have I received. People who love me. Uh, I had this teacher in, in seminary that he wrote this manual and it was all it was kind of like semi published it you know he had it nicely bound and stuff and i noticed all these like grammatical errors and even though i was like in grad school i was just barely learning grammar i was just getting there you know so i put it out to him i said what's up with all these grammatical errors and he said you know what jesus loves me my mom loves me i don't care so <laughs> <laughs> it's an important insight to understand that our ability to to appreciate and love other people comes down to how much we appreciate and love ourselves. You need that. And I mention this because you hear me all the time talking about the new evangelization, and the reason why evangelization is so dear to my heart is because more and more I'm becoming aware that people I haven't even met are wonderful. They're out there somewhere, and they need to meet the wonderful God. And moreover, even though we're doing wonderful things as a Catholic church, the fact remains that some places are growing and some places are declining. Thankfully, our church is growing. And it all has to do with learning how to love ourselves not because we just do some kind of mental gymnastics or something like that because we are first loved by Jesus we experience that, that tender love of him now this explains the life of St. Peter St. Peter has full center stage in today's first reading and it's an amazing scene Peter is, goes up to this place near Joppa this woman had died and they had asked for him so that they could, he could raise her from the dead and then, as he's up there, he has this vision. He's actually up on the, the rooftop, and he's just praying. And he's a little hungry, so he asks the people to make some food. And as he was praying, he has this vision, this trance. He goes into a trance, and some people jokingly call it the, the vision of the pigs in the blanket, where he has this blanket with all sorts of animals, and they come down, and uh, he hears this voice that says, "Take and eat." No, no, I can't. I've never had anything unclean or commonplace into my body. Um, And then he hears the voice that says, I've made all things clean. I've declared it clean. It's it's not dirty. It's not uncommon or common. So this happens three times. Now he's a little bit perplexed, but then these men arrive at the house and he's told by the Holy Spirit that he's got to go to to where these guys are taking him. They lead him down to Caesarea, to the centurion. And the centurion is a Gentile. Maybe he was a Jewish convert, but he he was a righteous, God-fearing man. And he had a vision of an angel who said, go get Simon Peter, He's up in this one region and he's staying with this guy named Simon the Tanner. So they get him and so Peter comes down to Caesarea and with an open heart, open ears, this centurion listens to the good news and everyone receives the Holy Spirit. They have their own Pentecost and, and the Jewish converts are amazed at what they're seeing. Peter says, let's, let's baptize them. This is what we got to do. It seems kind of strange because it was the opposite order. You know, First baptism, then, then, then some, something else. But in this case, they receive their Pentecost. and Then he asks them to be baptized. He's amazed. Peter opens up the door for the salvation of the Gentiles. You have to remember, for the Jewish context, God does show partiality. There are chosen people. There are non-chosen people. And so in the worldview of the Jew... They didn't know have the theological categories to understand where these Gentiles fit into this whole picture. And even to the modern day, if you meet an Orthodox Jew, they don't send out missionaries. You never hear about that because they're waiting for the Messiah who will set everything straight. So they don't, they don't set up, send out missionaries. They're the chosen people. So this, this boldness of Peter, this confidence to go against the, the common mentality of the early church, was born out of his confidence because of the love that he experienced in Jesus These resurrection occurrences where Jesus appeared in all different places was the foundation of his his bravery and his courage. The Lord says in today's Gospel passage, No greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend. What does Peter do? He faces all sorts of persecution, even dies for the faith because he loves his neighbor. So I recall the scene from last week. We have Peter, James, and John. Thomas, Nathaniel, two other companions up at the Sea of Galilee. This is after Jesus had died. He was already appearing in different places. They're fishing, no luck. This figure on the shore says, hey, cast your net right over there. And so they do it out of obedience. And so they throw the net in, and they have this miraculous catch. Peter realizes it's Jesus. Only Jesus can do stuff like that. So without putting all his clothing back on, he dives into the water. And somebody from last night said, you know, when you you're kind of drawing out that picture, Father, of the Sea of Galilee, I was thinking of Forrest Gump as he, was <laughs> as he was awaiting Lieutenant Dan, and he jumps off the pier, and then the boat crashes into the other side. Peter jumps off the boat and goes to the Lord. And then there's that famous scene, right? That famous scene where he, he's asked, Peter, do you love me? Three times. And the last one's stumped. You know I love you, Lord. Peter was not a dumb guy. Maybe he didn't have the theological degree of St. Paul, maybe he didn't have that kind of background, but he was a very thoughtful, pious, righteous man who realized very quickly that the reason Jesus showed up and asked those questions was to show him how lovable Peter is. That Peter denies the Lord three times before his crucifixion, and he does this to invite Peter, his whole heart, back into this, this loving relationship with him. This gives Peter the confidence and the boldness to go out. I think we we have this fear that we're not good enough. And as I mentioned, that's, I think why we struggle as Catholics for the new evangelization is because we think, well, I'm not smart enough, I'm not holy enough, I don't have a theological degree, I'm not this, I'm not that. And it's fear. Fear that, that our suspicions that we're nobodies and that we're ugly and we're stupid and we're this and that is true, and so that's why we don't put ourselves out there. We don't, we're not willing to be embarrassed a little bit or stick ourselves out on the, on the branch. You know, I think the number one reason why people don't go to confession is not because of theological reasons. It's because of this fear that when I go into the confessional, God will declare over my life, I see all your sins and you are ugly. And then the priest will somehow be the exclamation point on all of that. He'll start retching and gagging and be about to puke and say, oh, get away. <laughs> get out of here, you ugly thing. I think we fear that, but the whole point of like these, these beautiful moments, these very intimate moments where God draws us close to him is to, to not only reconnect with him, but to, to reveal to us who, how he sees us. That he sees that we are beautifully and wonderfully made. And that the priest, you know, I get the privilege of experience of getting to see into your souls, into your hearts, and just marveling. Especially after the fact when I pray, wow, man, beautiful people, good people out there. The Lord is telling us, it's not you who chose me, it's I who chose you. you got to remember that. I who chose you. And I want you to go out into that world and there are people who, we may not know them, but they, they, they don't have Jesus. And they're dying in despair and their lives are not experiencing the abundance the healing power of Jesus Christ and the tenderness of the Father. I really love movies and I, I love actors and producers and writers and more and more I, uh, I just, I study it and found a really cool podcast of a comedian who likes to interview other comedians and kind of talk about their origin story, like where'd they come from. Uh, and he, he loves religion. He's, he's, I don't know if he's a believer yet, but he's a seeker, and he's not like some kind of hobbyist religious person where, you know, 45 minutes a week you talk about the possibility of God and then you go on to your business. This guy's pretty serious about it. So uh, he was interviewing Judd Apatow, who... I really like him. Uh, He did the series uh, Freaks and Geeks, and if you haven't seen that, it's really, really good. And it only lasted one season, but um, it was so good. So um, some of his other material may not be as suitable for young viewers. You know, I leave that to you. But he asked Judd Apatow, he said, you know, now that you've made it, now that you make a lot of money, how do you feel about money and how do you feel about all this? And he said, you know, uh, that's a good question. I know happiness is not in money. I mean, money is nice. Whenever I get to go to the restaurant, I can order whatever I want. That's kind of cool. He said, but at the end of the day, I know I'm going to die. And Judd Apatow is an atheist. He doesn't believe, and I think he would like to. I didn't finish the whole interview yet. It's like an hour and a half. So he's going on to say, I would like to believe. I don't. And in the end of the day, I die. And, you know, I money is just, you know, the more you have, the more you want. He, he, was, he was jokingly saying, you know, something like, when the zombies come and the oil runs out and, even then I think about I want to build this bunker for my kids so that they'll be safe for 200 years but I don't have enough money for that. So he, he was just kind of elucidating and kind of explaining the reality of he, he gets it. He gets it like something's really missing and he wants it and we're the ones who bring it. Not some Jesuit who works in Hollywood. We are the ones who bring it. Jesus says you didn't choose me I chose you. And to the extent that we see ourselves as missionary disciples and evangelists that that's on our radar is the extent that we love ourselves and if people if we're honest with ourselves if our mission if evangelization I'm not saying Catholics aren't generous oh boy we're generous we're really generous we're charitable but to the extent that we see ourselves as evangelists that's the extent that we actually love ourselves and sure we love ourselves but something's missing something's missing we look to Peter wonderful man And I'd love to be just like St. Peter, who's willing to lay down his life for others, that they may have salvation, that they don't go to the works, that they go to eternal life, the sins be forgiven, and they experience the, the abundance of the Father. Jesus said to him, and he says to us, it wasn't you who chose me, I chose you.